0: for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Welcome to The Chaser Report, it's Friday the 28th of January 2022, Dom Knight and Charles Firth, still by the pool, with Julian Morrow for War Stories, looking back on uh, the TV shows that we used to make, the adventures we used to have, and it's probably time, a a final episode of the War Stories series, before we begin again. Uh, on Monday with the Topical Episodes, talk about the biggest stunt we ever did, Julian. <sighs> yes, which one was that again? I've forgotten. Ah, uh, was one you dressed us to Dalai Lama.
1: That's right. Oh, God, yeah, yeah.
2: No, no, obviously, yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people remember it as the OPEC stunt.
1: Yes, I remember <laughs> it as the OPEC stunt. <laughs> yeah. But uh,
0: no, APEC, because so it was the Asia Pacific
2: Economic E-C, Community. Yeah. And uh, mm. that's
0: why it was a good stunt, because it's so boring. that Even though it's one of the highlights of our careers, we can't remember what it stands for. <laughs> um, we'll figure it out during this ad break.
2: The Chaser Report.
0: Now with extra whispers. Asia Pacific um, economic, economic Community. Cooperation. Community or cooperation. Cooperation. Right? Right? Cooperation. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. something. Something. But, but George Bush couldn't remember it. He said the OPEC conference. That was one of the two things that made news, along with this stunt.
1: Yeah. So this was what 2007, I think. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, yeah. And it was basically a curse. This whole event, because the Chasers War and everything had done a year had been going pretty well. It was starting to get quite popular and it was the stunts that were the thing that, was, mm. you know, that people were reacting to. And then all of a sudden, a huge international conference came to our, basically our back door in Sydney and there were uh, world leaders, the President of, of America, about, I forget, it was something like 20 yeah. world leaders there. And so everyone was asking, what is the chaser going to do? And essentially, our answer was nothing. There's no way we're going to be able to
0: do anything. And the security budget was, what, $150 million or something? Just absolutely insane. It was the
1: biggest security operation in Australian history. There were... I think like two and a half meter metal fences put around like a around yeah, the inner the whole city CBD of Sydney. Yeah. yeah, and so it was what you, what you would describe as a not very welcoming environment to try and do silly stunts. But because it was happening while we were on air, we sort of felt we had to do something. In the end, I mean, I describe it as a stunt that went horribly right because it was sort of. Premised on the idea that we would fail, but then we accidentally gate crashed this international um, conference and, and, and made, for I think, you know, the, the classic 15 seconds of, of fame, we, we made the world headlines.
0: I remember the whole weird aspect of it was that Chaz is dressed as Osama bin Laden. So you've got, you're dressed as a security guard, there's a motorcade going down, and I've always found it um, very amusing that we put Canadian flags on the the motorcade. We were just trying to think of who are the most innocuous countries. Well, that's
1: right. Well, we had to think through the possible countries. And so because, you know, we all looked – well, we we wouldn't have been convincing if we suggested we were from Indonesia or something. So that narrowed down the the, the countries. Um, The idea that there was a motorcade – we thought about New Zealand, but we didn't think that anyone would believe that New Zealand actually had a motorcade. (laughs) Prime Minister probably turned up in a bike or something. Um, and so that basically led us to Canada, which turned out to be the right, the right country to go for because it just had the right veneer of feeling like it was a big enough country, but no one really knowing who the Prime Minister was. or Yeah, and it's kind of innocuous. And, oh, uh, Canada, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the whole stunt came about because I was hauled into a security meeting before APEC with one of the ABC's security advisors. And I just assumed that this was basically we were going to be read the right act and told what we couldn't do. Um, But Tony, who was the security advisor and was an ex-SAS soldier who loved this stuff, was laying down the law saying what you can't do. And towards the end of the meeting, he said, there's absolutely no way you'll be able to get in. The only way you'll be able to get into that event is with a motorcade. And I was like, that's quite an interesting idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then he was into it and he gave us all the suggestions for how to to get a motorcade in. Um, And then, you know... um, Obviously, ABC Legal just went. Yeah, that sounds great. Do it, fantastic. <laughs> and we left that day. No, it took a long time. <laughs> it took a long time to get them over the line. Well, we
0: discussed before that chaser stunts follow the format. Where can you take a? Yeah, but where exactly. can you take a motorcade? I mean, in the history of that's an even bigger prop than a Trojan horse.
1: Yes, and the the moment that I actually first thought that we might get away with it was when I actually saw the motorcade because it felt. Like it was just a silly idea that wasn't going to succeed. And in fact, the whole point of the stunt mm. was that the motorcade wouldn't get in, and then we would try increasingly silly ways of getting in, and that was where we were going to get the comedy. So I think we had some people who were going to try and get on on those big sort of...
0: There were subsequent plans, right?
1: Yeah, we were going to try and get there by sea. I don't think we could manage getting there by air because we did think that that would sort of get... Could get shut down. down. Yeah. yeah, but we did do uh, by road, and it all why,
2: just worked. But why didn't they tap you, tap your phones, and... Well, Tap your internet accounts and know that that's what you were going to do. Like, if it, spend one hundred and fifty million dollars, surely just pay a hacker twenty five bucks and. It,
1: I just assumed that that would yeah. have happened, and I kind of thought on the day that when the motorcade drove out of ABC, that we would just get, yeah, you know, the police would turn up hmm. and, um, you know, we it'd be off. But they had, and it wasn't like we'd made any secret of it because. I remember being asked in radio interviews, what are you going to do for APEC? We got asked it all the time. And in, you know, our typically responsible way, because I thought we weren't going to do anything, I would say things like, look, I can't really tell you, but it's going to be big. <laughs> 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 uh, just to manage expectations, right? <laughs> so
0: did the motorcade leave from Ultimo? It came out the back funny. of ABC Ultimo.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we had two motorbikes at the beginning, that um, weren't police but were just guys on bikes who looked a little bit like it. And then, of course, the other thing was that we had four people running beside the motorcade,
0: which hasn't happened since JFK. (laughs) No one does that, but we needed to have camera people Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was a camera crew, but also people walking outside, like you were on foot.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because we stopped the motorcade Mm. outside New South Wales Parliament, got out, and then started running down the street. And it turned out that what had happened was, because there were so many motorcades going around Sydney that day, there'd been a general order issued that no motorcades were to be stopped. Mm. So we just started going down the street, and cops started waving us through. I remember one guy saying, the road is yours. And that was when we started to realise that uh, the whole idea that this stunt would end when we got stopped by the police had a fatal flaw in it.
0: (laughs) So the whole $150 million security operation to protect Sydney from terrorists, this is during the war on terror, Al-Qaeda could easily have been trying to penetrate it at the same time. If they'd thought of having a motorcade, they would have gone all the way through to the Opera House. Yep,
1: yep, yep. They'd put a ring of steel around the city and then left the front door open. Uh, and, And in fact, the Daily Telegraph the next day had like a, a, an ad for the edition of the Daily Telegraph. And I think it said something like, thank God it was them, which I think is the only time the Daily Telegraph has said anything positive <laughs> yeah. about the chaser. Now,
0: <laughs> there are lots of things that I half remember from this period because obviously we talked about it a lot. But there was a point subsequently where we got the police evidence brief, yeah. where th- which they'd been uh, planning to use to charge us. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, because I know you, you know this better than I do. Was it not true that the day before or something like that, John Howard had been held up at the front of the opera house because the federal police or whoever it was had lost the key to the padlock, and that was why the order had gone through that all motorcades had to be waved through I hope that 's true i 've been saying it for years I hope it 's true
1: i i'm sure that it's true without actually knowing I have no memory of that whatsoever Let's just to be say honest. That it is because it must it. be true it must yeah. be true, but there were so many things about that that day that were that were funny the thing I remember from the the police tapes was that a lot of the people who were arrested, because I think eleven people were yeah, arrested. Chaz or 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And me and Chaz were obviously in one category, and then the rest of the guys were, were were crew. And they were going to run a defense that basically the other people were just sort of doing their job. So they shouldn't be um they, they shouldn't be convicted of a criminal offense. The only problem was that one of the employees, who was actually a cousin, a second cousin of mine, um, had the camera on his lap in the motorcade that was picking up the audio from, from the microphone that was in my tie. It was also picking up what was being said by him in the <laughs> motorcade. So they were going to run a legal defence saying he was just following orders. He is mortified that this has happened. He didn't want it to happen. But, but we did then also have a recording of him going, oh, my God, this is brilliant. This is awesome. They're <laughs> letting us right through. These idiots, oh, I love this, <laughs> which somewhat compromised the defence. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash
2: host. The Chaser Report. News a few days after it happens.
0: The other juicy detail that I remember, and again, I can't absolutely swear that this is true, but somewhere summary in my mail, I've got all this information is that the there's a legendary federal police called uh, police officer called Skull or something mm. who was a bald-headed, and we saw him all the time. He was really authoritative and really a, a legend. And it may not have been him, but someone in the federal police who waved through the chaser motorcade had earlier that day yes. convened a seminar on how to recognize the chaser. <laughs> is that true?
1: I'm sure it's true. It's, it must be true, yeah. I mean, they, they certainly all knew that we were coming, mm. Uh, and you could see it from the guy when, when I walk up to him. Because basically when we got in, I had to have a word to Chaz about how to stop the stunt. And the idea was that if, if Chaz got out and Osama Bin Laden got out, that would probably end things. And the first thing <laughs> the guy said was, oh, chaser. But yeah, the police ha- were, were waiting for us and then they ushered us in. There was one police officer who gave evidence <laughs> that, that he recognised that it was the chaser, but, that we, but the motorcade was going very fast and it would have been a breach of oh, occupational health and I safety yeah. for him to stop the motorcade. He was, he was
0: fearful for his
1: personal <laughs> <Yes. fertile> safety. <laughs>
2: Policemen are not allowed to stop Which fast cars. Which I'm not cars. sure yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. was the
1: best thing to, to do. But yeah, um, there were a lot of fun things about that day. We ended up being up in a lockup for about, I think, 12 or 14 hours and Nathan, one of the main producers of that stunt, Nathan Earle, managed to get the tape out of the uh, camera and he hit it um, in a place that, I, I think, I've never done this, but I'm pretty sure it would be uncomfortable. Mm. Um, I, I believe that this mini DV tape, which is probably, what, about six, seven centimetres long? It's pretty, pretty substantially large, It yeah. was secreted somewhere under his scrotum yeah. for about 12 hours, and I remember looking at him in the day saying, oh, it's such a shame that the police took all our, all our tapes, and he looked at me and just sort of uh, conveyed without... Saying anything that no, no, he had, and he looked down uh, that he had a <laughs> tape, um, and so you were credit. assuming it was somewhere, somewhere else. Yes, <laughs> uh, yeah. So full credit to him. When we got back to the office, there was a sort of ceremonial revealing. He put his hand down his pants and produced this tape, threw it up in the air, and one of our mates, James Edwards, who was the editor, mm. had to make a uh, a critical decision. And he closed his eyes and put his hands out and grabbed <laughs> the tape and digitized it. So we were all very proud of Nathan for. for um, managing to smuggle that tape out and we were even happier the next day when the police gave us all our tapes back and it turned out he didn't need to do that at all. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> and then I had the fun of doing this the safe follow up with um I think it was Craig and Chris, uh going in the cardboard motorcade. Because the the thought was well if they've They didn't recognize that motorcade with the chaser. (laughs) How pissy a motorcade will they actually stop? And to their credit, (laughs) they eventually got it. We strapped cardboard cars to ourselves and went back down there because you guys weren't allowed to. That was why it was so much fun because you'd all been told uh, formally that you you, you have sort of exclusion orders, but we weren't under them. So we could just turn up the next day and and rub their faces in it all over again.
1: But I think it's fair to say that that during that day, I don't know what you guys were doing outside, but... I think we all sort of knew that that, in terms of the chase of doing stunts, it was never going to get mm. better than that. And in a mm. way, that was sort of the the beginning of the end of our ability to do a certain type of stunt because oh, yeah. it just got, it became so well known.
0: And yeah, I mean, look, the the ratings were crazy for the ABC. I think it's the biggest comedy ratings we've ever had. Yeah, it went around the world. I mean, we've got a collection of the newspaper headlines because the world's press was there and nothing else happened. It went
2: around the world. I was in North Korea the following week. (laughs) It's honestly (laughs) true. And I was sitting in a hotel bar and there was a guy from the Foreign Affairs Department in North Korea, and he and I said, "Oh, I'm from a comedy group called The Chaser," and he went, "The Chaser," the, the, and he knew about the Apex done. Oh and yes, it, we're big in Pyongyang. <laughs> it was, and it's like, oh, no one is allowed to listen to foreign radio here, but because I'm in the secret, like the foreign service, I'm allowed to listen to it. Yeah, and, and even were, he knew about
1: it. Absolutely, and there were other international uh, sort of events that were held while we were making the Chasers War and everything. Of course, everyone said, "What are you going to do?" That and, course, and we never tried again because we sort of knew we wouldn't. But I did see some years later that there are now special laws that relate to what you can or can't do with a motorcade. Really, which wow. I like to think yes. are our little laws. So oh, that I didn't know
2: that. Well, yes. at least
0: we achieved something. Yeah, yeah. But, but there was. But also, wasn't there?
2: Wasn't there some big jamboree or something? Some. Girl, I
0: wanted to get this world youth, youth day. Yes. World Youth Church. Day. The Pope came to Australia. And there was that the weird thing with the stations on the cross and it was it was a completely bizarre And event. everyone
2: was convinced that the chaser was going to do something. Mm. And they didn't even have well, a we just TV. That we show. showed, some people
1: would helpfully give us the advice, so oh, you guys should do another APEC.
2: Yeah.
1: like, "Oh, that's a great <laughs> idea." Yeah, yeah. No, like we'll just have another crack at that one in a million <laughs> chance see if it could work, but um yeah, I mean, look, it was never going to do as well as that day. Although, the fact that we got away with it Mm. actually became a bit of a production problem because, firstly, everyone knew what had happened. There was no hiding the event. And it wasn't actually that funny when it happened. It was a better story Mm. than it was a piece of television. Well,
0: that that was the genius of how it was actually produced because I remember a lot of meetings about how to do it. But the fact that it was narrated, which we never did at any other time, Mm. the stunts were never narrated or rarely narrated. um, But the way the story was told to make the stakes so high. And I guess everyone was just waiting for it too because they knew that we'd done it.
1: And then there was that weird thing where we didn't know what the outline was going to be. And we had been watching this footage for a couple of days and it was only, like, uh, you know, two days in that somebody noticed (laughs) that all the police swarmed around me and that... (laughs) <laughs> Osama bin Laden, literally the most wanted man in the world, was walking next to us with no cops around him. And that became the punchline, completely unplanned.
0: And years later, we found that, that you know, we, we had no idea that George Bush was asleep in the hotel right there, as we yeah. said with Chaz in, in this, um, this segment. And that, this, that there were sharpshooters on the roof. I mean, we wouldn't have been allowed anywhere near there.
1: Yeah, I did run into a guy at a pub once who said to me,
0: Oh, I know you. I've had you in my crosshairs.
1: And I was like, yeah, yeah, And he's like, no, no, I, I, I had you in my crosshairs on uh, that APEC day. Now, you know, um, the good thing about crosshairs is that you can't feel them when you're a few <laughs> yeah. hundred metres away, but we were definitely um, mm. in the, the line of fire that day. And you just couldn't do something like that these oh, days. No. God, no. There was a funny little coda to the event, though, because when we were finally let go at the end of the day, the police had been pretty nice to us and they let all the other people out but at the end of the day they said to me and Chaz like the others can go you guys come here and they took us like deeper and deeper into the building with these two big burly guys and we started getting a little worried mm. um, as they took us into this private room they closed the doors. There were no cameras. And we thought, oh, shit, we, we might cop a bit of stuff. Here. This is where the phone books come out. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. The New South Wales police were, had a bit of a reputation <laughs> um, then. But, so they took us into this room and, and we were like, what are they going to do? And they, these two guys said, look, um, just before we go, can we get a photo? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I've never seen the photo, but somewhere – there is a photo of me <laughs> and Chaz as Osama Bin Laden. Is he still Osama? Yeah, we, oh, we're still addressed as Osama Bin Laden with the two guys who arrested us all holding up our APEC passes, two real ones and two fake ones. Oh, and wow. if there's anyone out there yeah. who can source that photo... Oh. Uh, I would love to see it, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they uh, the cops actually dropped us home at the end of the day. They were, it was a
0: very good service. I can highly recommend well, the New South Wales Police. 150000000 dollars. You expect yeah, that's <laughs> right. I still I still can't believe that that it worked. Like the amount of money and effort, and we somehow managed to just get in anyway. It was the stunt that went horribly right, but
1: um, you know what I like about it is that it did actually make a decent point that there was a huge amount of money spent on security and then it's always human error. That is the thing that, that you know, foils these uh, or that causes security flaws and there was a fairly big one mm. that day.
0: Well, the Brisbane Olympics is coming up. What are we going to do? We should <laughs> do a motorcade. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charles. i Kate from guys. Rose Microphones. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network, and we'll catch you on Monday with a regular edition. Charles, are we really going to get back into doing them daily?
2: Nah, I reckon we shouldn't. Let's, Let's this, just give up. Let's end the whole podcast. yet. Yeah. All right. Done.
0: Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right.